Searching for 
We thank you, Lord, for bringing the victory, even if we don't see it at the moment, God. We just praise you. We exalt your name. Thank you, Jesus.
In my father's house 
Father's house. Praise God. It is uh, just a delight to be able to be back home. Uh, we had a great time uh, out in South Dakota uh, with our friends and family out there, but uh, it is good to be home. Praise God. Uh, you may be seated. Today, as we prepare, I'd like to honor uh, just uh, someone that uh, this is their last Sunday with us, and uh, that is Miss Elaine uh, Maines. So she is moving to Florida to be with her son, and uh, we are going to dearly miss her. Uh, she has been such uh, a part of our church uh, for our entire time here, and I know longer than that, but uh, uh, we will miss you, Miss Elaine. So God bless you, and safe travels, and enjoy uh, time with your son as you move down there to the sunny state of Florida. Uh, so, and... Uh, Praise God. Uh, also, um, today is Father's Day. Woo! Um, I love being a father and a grandfather, and it is, uh, it is for me one of the highest callings uh, that uh, a man can have is to be a man of God, uh, to be willing to invest in and young people and people to take their position. My, my message today is, is titled, Will the Real Men Stand Up? And, uh, and, and I've said that because I think so many times in our society, um, men have been uh, demoted, uh, muted even. Um, men, for you today, we have a special mug for you in the back. Uh, and there's a devotional that goes with it. We'd love to bless all the men in here. Um, uh, 
we just want you to know how much we value you. So all men will get one of those today when you're done, uh, or when we're done. But one of the things that I have noticed in our society is that um, many of the shows that were put out uh, presented men in a uh, manner that uh, really as if they were a bunch of bumbling oafs and uh, or they were non-existent um, and it, it is one of those things that has always been a point of frustration for me because um, in essence what I felt like they were doing is communicating that uh, men were not essential to the family and um, many things were drilled into my life growing up, and some of you, I'm sure, heard some of these uh, phrases uh, before. Um, uh, I was told that, um, uh, you know, you have to work hard for, you know, a living, that uh, your job, your primary responsibility is to work. A man don't work, a man don't eat. How many of you have ever heard that? All right, so there's a few of them. Be a self-made man. My dad did not ever want to depend on anyone. Now, he was of a generation. He didn't like going to the bank for a loan. Any of you know of a, you know, someone like that? They, they literally, he saved up money, and he would go out and buy a car, and whatever he did, he tried to do in a cash basis. He never wanted to allow himself to enter into a place where he had to depend on other people. Now, the problem with that is um, that same mentality uh, seeped into the home life, and, and really he tried to do everything at home on his own. He didn't like having my mom involved in decision-making. He didn't like uh, really uh, depending on his kids even. He just, he wanted to, everything to be about his own work. And, and there is, I'm not saying it's all bad to have this motivation to work hard, but what I'm saying is it can create within us this tension of, um, uh, of a lifestyle that is fixated on selfishness and pride. And that's one of the traps of some of the mentalities that are being forced upon men, young men today, moving into being a, a man of God. Um, if you want to truly break free from some of the things, you have to change your, your mentality. You have to change your thought process. So today I'd like to direct us to a very short um, uh, psalm, uh, but Psalm 127. It's only five verses, but in these five verses we have packed in some tremendous insight for us on how to uh, be a man. So let's read those here this morning. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sheep. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with him. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. Let's pray. 
Father, today I pray that you would open up our eyes to see and our ears to hear what your Spirit is saying to the church. God, that we would see men rise up and assume the positions that you have called us to walk in. Father, men who understand what grace and mercy, men who understand what compassion, men who understand what it means to be a righteous man of God. Father, I pray today that you would open our eyes to see this in your word, that it would be implanted in our hearts, that it would bring forth the fruit that would help us to experience what your word declares. And we ask for this in your name. Amen. This morning I would like to break down this passage and show you how the scripture presents a different mindset that will help us grow and become who God wants us to be. And I think it's important for us to, uh, to hear uh, from the very beginning that God is not against hard work. Okay, I love to work hard. Um, that is one skill set that my dad taught me very young in life is how to work hard. Growing up working in hay fields, um, you know, working out in the yard, whatever we were doing, we were taught to work hard and that you were to do it with your very best effort. Now, I'll tell you that I don't always see that today in our young people. They've not been taught some of that same mentality, that same mindset. And some of them, I've heard them actually say that they do just enough to get by. Now, I'm telling you, if that's your mindset, you have set yourself up for a collapse in lifestyle. Because if you only do just enough to get by then all you will ever do is just get by in life. And God doesn't want us to live and just get by. So God wants you to put an effort into it. He wants you to live in such a way, work in such a way that God is glorified in all that you do. That actually is is part of God's word. Uh, you know, God is the one who said, "Is a man doesn't work, a man doesn't eat. So that uh, the world may utilize that, but God came up with it. Um, the other thing that we need to understand is Scripture tells us that we are to um, work and do everything as unto the Lord. Everything. Now, He leaves no area uh, that we can bring any type of question about how much work and effort we're putting into something. So, God wants us to be individuals, men who know how to be uh, on purpose, that know to know how to be on focus, uh, that know to do how to know how to do exactly what has been set before us to the very best of our efforts. So the if the issue that we're dealing with today is not a work mindset, it is a misguided mindset that is focused on principles of living that are not godly. So that's why I think it's important that we break down this passage. Your first slide, uh, or your, the first verse as we look at this, it says, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. Solomon lays it out as clear as possible for us here. Unless the Lord builds the house, 
So who is building your home? That's my question today. Who is building your home? Who is the, fir- the focus of your life? Giving direction. Who is, you know, that you're not standing back and saying, man, I did this in my own efforts and all the things that it's, it's all about me. If that's you, then you're on the wrong side of the line. God is saying, unless the, Solomon said, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. So there are, there are men out there and women because this passage, although is specifically speaking to men here, it really can be something that crosses over to all who um, are dealing with this issue. But it's saying, listen, if your mindset is one that you are only building up a, uh, a nest egg for yourself, you're only focused on yourself, you will, everything you do in life is about me, me, me. If that is your mindset... Scripture says you labor in vain. Every ounce of reward that is available to you, you are experiencing right now. Because you will miss out on a heavenly reward that is available down the road. So God wants you to understand that the Lord needs to be the primary focus on building your home. He is the one who gives direction. And I love this, this end portion of this. It says, unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. Now men have been called to be a watchman for their homes. It, it, is, it, is, a, it is a father's responsibility to stand at the gate. See, a watchman in the city was he stood at the gate and he kept an eye out for the enemy. He had, a, he had a purpose. And so when he stayed awake all night long, um, he would make sure that there were no uh, vandals coming in that were going to rob the city, destroy, the, there was no advancing armies. So the watchman had a very specific purpose to ensure the safety of all those um, who were put into his trust. And so... In this verse here, it says, unless the watch, the Lord watches over the city, the watchman lays awake in vain. And so it's combining the, the necessity for God to be so connected with the watchman's life and the city's life, because it is through him that will bring about the rewards of God, that it will bring about the blessings of God. And, and in the scripture for us today, we can actually narrow down. We do have a responsibility uh, to be praying over our cities. But more specifically, we have a responsibility to be a watchman over our families. And um, I want to encourage you to, uh, when you have young people at home, to do what you can to bring safety into your household. Um, filter um, the internet. Now, I've had people complain, well, that's an invasion of their privacy, of their rights. And, and my, my, my thought process here is when my children are at our home, they have no rights <laughs> that exceed them getting into something that could be dangerous. Okay? I... 
I love my children and I would never violate their privacy in such a way just to um, focus on something that I'm doing. But what I want to do is make sure they are safe. Um, We have individuals out there who masquerade as young people to lure somebody into a trap. And at their young age, children can be very misled in some of those things. Um, sex trafficking is, is a horrific uh, thing going on in our society. And, and you may be aware of it, but Dayton in this greater area is a hub of sex trafficking. There is so much of it going on all around us. So let me just tell you, you have a responsibility to be a watchman for your family, to make sure that no one leads your family astray. Protect them. Do whatever it takes. Filter the internet so that you know what, who they're talking to in chat rooms, that you know who they're having communications with. Put things on their phone. Listen, when they're an adult, I guarantee you they will tell you how much they appreciate the level of care and concern that you gave for their life. But when they're a child, they're not always going to understand. That doesn't mean you don't do it. When, our, when we had a fire burning in, in our fireplace, um, when, we, when our kids were growing up and they were young, we didn't just say, hey, go burn yourself, you'll eventually learn. We, we protected them. You know, we taught them that the fire was hot. But even in that teaching, we set up some things so that it still kept them away from it. Because when they were young, they didn't always make good decisions. How many of you didn't make good decisions when you were young? When we were growing up, I mean, we were just dumb. You know, we'd have, we, we, we burned our fire, our trash growing up and, and we would have, you know, we'd poke each other with hot irons and stuff like that. You know, we, we just weren't smart. Don't, don't be like that. You know what? I have scars on my body because of the stupidity of the things that my dad was, he worked all the time. And, and my mom, you know, she was a small little lady. We, we all, we all passed her up, you know. Well into life, you know, she'd even try to slap us and, and, and it just didn't hurt because we, our size was so much different. So there came a point in life where, you know, unless dad did something and he wasn't there all the time, we just did a bunch of stupid things. So I want to, I want to emphasize, don't let your children just do stupid things and thinking you're just letting them grow up and learn. No, protect them. Protect them. Don't let the enemy lead them astray. So God wants you to be a watchman over your homes, your families, your church. Um, from as, as early as I can remember with our church, um, you know, we gave people in our church permission to hold our children accountable in the church building. When they were there, when our neighborhood... You know, if our kids were doing something wrong, the neighbors had permission to call them out and say, hey, that's not right. Now, I praise God our children made, and they made great decisions growing up. 
but it's because we taught them and we kept an eye on them. We didn't just let things happen. So I want you to understand that it is, it is your responsibility to be that, that watchman over your family. And that the Lord needs to be bar- part of the process. I can guarantee you that the reason that our children turned out so good is because the Lord has been part of the process. Because if it would have been left to my own upbringing, <laughs> they'd all had burn marks all over their body from poking each other. So... Keep the Lord where he's supposed to be in your home and help him, allow him to guide you as you watch over your city. Now, here in verse number two, it really starts getting interesting for us. It says, it is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sheep. Our author goes on to tell us that if we don't have the right focus from the beginning of the day, it is it is vain to get up early and work late. So we need to have the right focus. Why are you working so many jobs? Now, I don't believe it's any of you here, but I know that there are many men who work from morning till night because they don't want to come home. They don't want to come home. They, they do it intentionally. If that is your focus you're already on the wrong side. But God is saying that you are laboring in vain if you don't have the right focus from the beginning of the day or how you end your day. Now, I loved coming home from work when I was at the church or or working wherever I was at and being able to do stuff with my kids. Uh, I'll brag on my, my son-in-law a little bit here. Uh, Michael uh, works at the uh, school during the day. And when he gets home, he has a wrestling match with those boys that will go sometimes, you know, for an hour or more just focusing on them. And they love it. And it's loud. And there's lots of running and screaming. And it is great. Um, he doesn't have the ability to not go to work. But he does have the ability that when he comes home, his mindset and his focus is on his kids and making sure that they know how important they are. See, that's where you have the ability to control your attitude. When you come home from work, if you become a terror in the house, what blessing are you bringing to your home? If you come home from work and everybody all of a sudden is tense because you're in the building, <laughs> what blessing are you bringing? Listen, we have to go out and work, but we need to make sure that the Lord is part of the process first thing in the morning. And let me just tell you, before you walk into the door at night, you need to be able to call upon the Lord and say, God, Give me a right mindset that I can go and be who I need to be for my family. You can do that. God will help you. If you don't pray, if you don't ask, if you don't seek, hey, listen, you take into it what you bring home. I I love that Scripture tells us to take every thought captive unto the obedience of Christ. That means if God said it, that means we have the ability to do it. So I don't care what's going on in your head on your way home. 
you take control of those thoughts. And you decide that that is done. You surrender it to God because a lot of the things that are going on in our head, we have no control over the outcome of those. But what we have control over is what we bring into the home. So be that man who surrenders to God the things of the world that you cannot change and you bring into your home that peace that you can, the peace of God. Be that one that chooses to do this different. I don't, I don't know what you had modeled for you growing up. You may be in the similar position that I was where you didn't have a godly uh, model as a father growing up. It doesn't matter what you had growing up. Choose to be different today. You know what? I, I grew up and we were all heathens. God wasn't part of the process. You know, I got saved at 16, but that didn't mean my dad did. (laughs) So our household was still a heathen household. Just because I was there didn't change some of those things. So I had to learn to live differently. I had to learn to take thoughts captive. I couldn't just let, I, I had to stop at that point fighting all the time. Now, we were taught to fight all the time growing up. You know, my dad taught us if you had a disagreement, you just fight it out with each other. Now, there's four boys, and there was a lot of fights. You know, we broke things. My dad spent probably most of his time at home fixing all the holes that we made. You know, it's because that's what he taught us. That's how you live out life. You fight for everything you have. And so we, we had this mindset that was not of God. And when I came to Christ, I had to start changing those things. I remember um, all, my brothers and I played football together um, in high school. We were, there were three of us on the team at one time. And during one of the drills, one of my, one of my brothers went ballistic on me. And uh, was wanting to have a knockdown, drag-out fight. And the team was, was really, I mean, they were cheering it on. They wanted to see a good fight. And it's like, I was a Christian. It's like, no, I'm not going there. This is not, this is not who I'm going to be. So I, I chose to back down from that. I didn't, you know, and, and it was interesting when I went off to Bible college and then every time when I would come home, um, there would be this same thing. Uh, process from my my brothers that would just want me to fight they wanted me to be who I was and I had to make a decision every day I'm not going to be who I was I am going to be who I'm called to be today so that's your choice you can make a change that takes you in a completely different direction than what you were raised don't, don't let anybody tell you that you have to be a product of, of your upbringing. You don't. You can be a product of God's Word being poured into your life to make a difference, to make you into something better. And then he goes on to say at the end of this verse, for he gives to his beloved sheep. See, one of the processes, one of the mindsets that needs to be present for believers is that we serve a giving God who wants to bless his children. 
And if you have that understanding that you serve a God who wants to bless his children, that you can come to a place of knowing when you've done what you can at work, that you have to trust in God's blessing outside of that. It's not about working 20 hours a day. It is working and doing what you need to, but spending time with your family, enjoying the blessings of God. Number, the third verse, it says this. Now I love this, and I love this verse and how Solomon has woven this together with this work mindset. Verse 3 says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a, a reward. I have to be honest with you here. There is nothing that will aggravate me more, that will anger me more than parents calling their children little demons, mistakes. I have heard parents call, refer to their children by every kind of ungodly name. And I'm telling you today, it is wrong. And you are forming a mentality in your children that will take them to a place that you don't want them to be. And it is your fault. There is, it is not the world's fault, it is your fault. If you are making those declarations over your children, you need to begin to take responsibility today for what you're doing. It is not right. Scripture says that children are a heritage. They are a blessing. If you cannot handle it, don't have children. Now, I'm not, I'm not trying to be gentle here. I'm being serious. I've seen too many parents that should never have decided to be parents. Because they have had children and then just abandoned them. And see, if you've ever been called out to a group of children who have been left alone in a home day after day to fend for themselves from as early as they can remember, you understand that, that God places a level of responsibility on us when we choose to have children. They are a blessing. They are a heritage. Who we are investing in today are becoming the society that will lead us and guide us in the future. Now, I'll tell you, Scripture gives us some very clear things about how we're to take care of our older uh, people in our community. But you know what? If, if the younger people that are growing up are the ones that have been abused verbally by that older generation, then what's going to happen is that these, these kids, when they get to that age, they're going to say, listen, I'm not doing anything for them. Now, I see it happen today, and it, and it should not happen. We need to take responsibility for our children. When we look at them as a heritage, they are a blessing, not just for a day, but for a period of time that we are with them. We have to begin to develop a mindset that when we go to work, we're doing so to take care of those, uh, those gifts, those blessings that we have brought into our life. 
So I want to encourage you, church, make a decision today. If you haven't done it yet, make a decision today to invest in your children. Verse 4 gives us some great insight. It says, like arrows in the hand of a warrior are children are the children of one's youth. Children who are raised with the mindset of God being the Lord of their lives become a weapon against the enemy. See, an arrow uh, is a weapon. And when children are, are taught from a very early age about God's ability to deliver them in life, the power and authority that they have over the enemy, they become a a weapon against the enemy. So I look at it this way. For those of you that don't like to think of your children as a weapon, listen, I, you will either raise your children to be a weapon to use against the enemy or they will become a tool of the enemy. See, we don't get a choice. If we don't teach them to have this mindset that God is first and, and Lord of their life, and we allow the enemy to control them, they will become tools of the enemy. The en- if we don't give them the, the understanding of God's supremacy in their life, then the enemy begins to take them and guide them and direct them. If you don't introduce God into the equation early on, then the process of life begins to take an effect on them because the enemy is Lord of this world unless the Lord is Lord of your life. And now, I'll just be honest, with, Lord of the, with the Lord being over our lives, we have a greater power that is within us than it's in this world. You know, you don't have to be afraid of the enemy. But, but it's because you've taught your children that they have power that they can stand. Now, being, being a weapon against the enemy doesn't mean that it has to be violent. Every word that you communicate that promotes God's principles begins to have a drastic effect on the enemy. See, the, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. It is the things that we speak. And that's why when we begin to uh, ingrain in our children the things of God, and they begin to declare from their mouths the, the things that God's Word has declared, then they become this weapon that every time they speak, they do damage against the enemy. And it's pointed and it's focused. That's why I love that Solomon refers to our children as an arrow. Because when we as godly parents point them in a direction, we let them go, they're going to take this message uh, of God's favor, of God's power, of God's deliverance to a group of people that we're pointing them at. And it may be their group of friends, it may be the schools that they're in, whatever it is, we shoot them and they will take what we empower them with. When you raise them up with godly focus, God empowers them to do great exploits. God empowers. 
Because that's what he does. God is an empowering God. He wants to infuse you with life and, and love and grace and mercy. He wants to give you the ability to live so far beyond this moment. Because your vision is not limited by what you see, but on what you believe from God. When you raise them with godly focus, God enables them to be directed with purpose. God allows them, God enables them to be directed with purpose. What sounds better for you, for your children? To be a weapon against the enemy or a tool of the enemy? Where are you in the process? Solomon goes on to talk about the blessing of a big family. Now, there are those um, that for years and years talked about, you know, just one. You don't need any more than that. Um, when we were young in ministry, um, we had people say, well, don't, you don't want too many kids. And, and they were telling us that because they didn't want it to be too much of a burden on the church. Because if a pastor's family has too many kids, then the, the church becomes responsible for, you know, trying to take care of them. So they just, just think about one or two, you know. But you know what? It's not just the church. It's the mindset of our society. You know, not too many kids. Don't overdo it. Church, God wants us to have a quiver full. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his children or speaks with his enemies in the gate. I, I love this, this thought process of a quiver being full of arrows. Now, let me just tell you, if you're going into battle with a bow, you're going to go with a bunch of arrows, right? Uh, the more arrows, the better, right? Um, if you've ever seen these, uh, these battles where they have a, you know, somebody in there with a bow and they just keep pulling and shooting, you think, how many they got? It's like they never have this never-ending supply. You never, you never really see them run out of arrows. Church, I'm just telling you, I love it when our church is filled with kids. I love them. I know, listen, parents, I understand we don't want kids running in the church. We don't want them running over people, but I, I love seeing kids run. You know, this morning as uh, uh, Isaac was bringing Hudson in, and he just running down the, you know, running, he just run wherever he wanted to go. I love, I love seeing babies running in the church too. I love kids in the church. I love that we have a group of kids in this church that love God. I'm so thankful for Christina and her investment in our kids, that they want to be here. Uh, I'm thankful for Missa and Seth and their investment in our kids on Wednesday night. They want to be there. Our kids want to be part of what God's doing. I loved earlier this year when we had our, our week of prayer and fasting, how many kids showed up this year because they wanted to be part of what God was doing. Church, I'm just going to tell you, 
God wants our quivers to be full. Children raised with godly focus give the enemy nothing to capitalize on. I, I love how Solomon tied the, as, the last aspect of this word, verse together. He says, um, a man with his quiver full shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. Now listen, when, when I look at this verse and you begin to understand that God builds many of these concepts, precept upon precept, so we go to verse number one and we understanding we have this understanding that the Lord is the one who builds the house and He's the one that guides and He's the one that directs and He's the one that empowers. And we take this all the way through. And when you have a quiver full of, of young people, of, of men and women who have this mindset that God is Lord over all, then he's saying that when your enemies are speaking to you at the gate, you will have, they will have nothing on you because you already have this confidence that your kids are set up in the right place with the right thought process. Don't let the enemy have control because you allow your children to go unrestrained. Teach them. They can. I love my wife. She, is, she had to do a service today at a company that she works with. Um, but uh, I love the things that she taught our children from a very early age. Um, our children have always been able to sit into a service and participate from the very earliest point. Because um, they were taught that they could. And, and it's amazing when kids are taught that they can, um, they actually do it. So I want to encourage you. You can do amazing things with your kids. And, and as I prepare to close this morning, I want to share with you some information that was done from a study a number of years ago. And it, it really shares the, the critical nature of men and their influence in the house. So listen to these statistics. If, if both father and mother attend church regularly, 33% of their children will end up as regular churchgoers. That's not bad. And 41% will end up attending irregularly. So we have 74% of the kids that are regular or semi-irregular churchgoers because dad and mom are going to church together. Those are good numbers, right? Uh, would you take 74% of our communities coming to church? Yeah, that's a great number. You know what the average number in most communities of people who attend church is? It's about 20%. And that's pretty high in some areas. So 20% of your communities are regular church attenders. So um, 74 sounds pretty good. But... Unfortunately, there's some negatives that come with this. Um, only a quarter of their children wound up not practicing faith at all when the two um, are there. And that number's still not good, but it's, it's a reality. You can't make every decision for your kids. You need to be understanding when you've done everything to teach your children throughout the growing up years, the things of God, when they become an adult, they have to make up their own mind still. You cannot make every decision. But the, the positive is we have this ability to look and say 74% of them are going to make the decision to continue on with what you've taught them. That's a great statistic. If the father is an irregular attender and mother attends regularly, 
only 3% of the children will become regular attenders. Three, so we go from uh, this 30, um, 33% all the way down to 3% because dad is irregular in attendance. You want to know how important dad's position is in the house? Only 3% of the children will become regular attenders, while 59% will become irregular. So there's still this, this connection because of mom being a regular attender at church. But the, the numbers now, we're only at, at 62% of the people really going having any involvement in church at all. So we're down from 74 to 62 because dad is an irregular attender. Okay, 38% of the children at this point are lost. They don't have anything to do with God at all. That's not a good statistic. So we've, we've jumped, you know, from 25% um, being lost to now 38%. If the father is non-practicing and mother regular, only 2% of their children will become regular churchgoers. 2%. 37% will attend irregularly. So now we're down to 39%. Over 60% of their children will be lost because they don't want anything to do with God. What happens if the father is regular but the mother is irregular? I found this to be amazing in the numbers here. Or even non-practicing. 33% to 38%, excuse me, um, the percentage of children becoming regular churchgoers goes up from 33% to 38%. With the mother irregular and the father as a regular. And up to 44%, even with the mother being a non-practicing believer. All because the dad is choosing to make a difference. So, I'm just telling you, these numbers, when I began to look at this study and start understanding the importance of a godly involvement of a man... This study suggests the loyalty of the father to the father's commitment grows in response. Our children are looking to their fathers for direction when it comes to God and the church. Now we can look at our society today and we have a lot of uh, fatherless children. Um, fathers who have not been involved. I, I know individuals that never met their father. They were gone before, um, you know, they even had a recognition that dad was there growing up without a, a godly influence. And that is why it is so important for us as the church to invest in the young people in our church. Not, not just our own children, but the other young people. I love uh, Pastor Willie when he was talking about all the young people that he used to take fishing because they needed, they needed the influence of a godly man in their life. And they just loved it. I, I'm just telling you, I have, some, I have some young people that I meet with, um, and, and they have a father. Uh, some, one of them has a father, one doesn't uh, anymore. He's passed on. Uh, but these young people love meeting, and I just do it to invest in them. Now let me just... 
I, I don't try to ever take away from my family. I invest in my family. But I also, I carve out time to invest in other young people that need a godly influence. We need to do that. God has placed upon us the responsibility of not just our own family when it comes to the investment that we can bring, but also the ability to invest in others in our church. Now, earlier in the service, I talked to you about the mentality that the world tries to put on men today. And, and this study really highlighted this, and so I thought it was important for me to bring it to you today. Um, is, this study says this, I'm afraid that our culture in general has reduced the role of fatherhood, along with marriage itself, to something non-essential and unnecessary. Even many men today regard parenting as being primarily the mother's role and somehow no longer associated with masculinity or real manhood. Instead, many have succumbed to the modern cultural caricatures, caricatures encouraged by feminist psychology and the primitive label of hunter-gatherer, and thus assume that this is their main contribution to the family. As a result, too many men, including professing Christian men, express their role as father exclusively in the terms of financial provider. The fact is children are not looking for financial provision. They are looking for love, for guidance, and a role model for what it means to be a man. During the colonial period in America, men defined themselves by their level of community involvement, and fatherhood. The colonial level of our society. So the identity of men in our society in its very early periods was because of the man's involvement in the community and the ability to be a father. We have fallen from that. Marriage and fatherhood were seen as being among the highest aspirations in a man's life. And today, the highest aspirations of men seems to be career, success, personal leisure, pleasure. The lack of actively involved fathers has produced societal conditions necessary for the intervention of government. How sad is that for our society that because men have relegated their positions of leadership that our government felt that it was so necessary for them to step in and take that role. And, and listen, I pray for our government every day, but they are a poor choice for leading our children. They are a poor choice for leading our families. That was never their role. We have the responsibility to take back that which God has called us to do. In 2001, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services under President Bush launched its fatherhood initiative because it recognized the decline of fatherhood and, and manhood in our nation. The president was determined to make, uh, you know, to make fatherhood a national priority. The presence of two committed parents directly affected every society that they were able to research. There was better school performance, 
reduce substance abuse, less crime and delinquency, fewer emotional and other behavioral problems, less risk of abuse or neglect, and a lower risk of teen suicide because of a two-parent home and a father who was leading in those areas. The research is clear. Fathers factor significantly in the lives of their children. There is simply no substitute for the love, involvement, and commitment of a responsible father. And while the research confirms that uh, paternal absence, whichever, uh, whether it is physical or emotional, is a significant contributing factor in almost every category of societal ill, my concern is the spiritual consequences of these decisions. A rather obscure but large and important study from the Swiss government highlighted many of the same things that we talked about earlier. In short, the study revealed that it is religious practice of the father of the family, above all, that determines the future attendance and support Uh, or absence from the church of children. And one of the reasons suggested for this distinction is that children tend to uh, take their cues about domestic life from mom while their conceptions of the world outside come from dad. And that's why it is so important for men, godly men, to invest in our children to begin to empower them to think the things that God has for them in such a way that God will bring about men and women who are growing up with an understanding of God's desire and God's involvement in our communities. It starts with us in the church. So if you have children, if you have uh, grandchildren, and and let me just extend this. Um, Some of you may say, well, I don't have any children. Um, If you have grandchildren, if you have nieces, if you have nephews, invest in children. I have believed in the responsibility to invest in children, whether they are mine or not. I want them to see what a godly man looks like. I want them to see that a godly man can cry, he can laugh, he can have fun, but he also knows how to work hard. Teach your kids to work hard. Teach them the benefits of working hard. But we need to do in the church these things. Now I'm going to tell you, men, I have seen many of you and your investment in your children and the things that you empower your kids to do and believe, and I, and I love where you're at, but we're not done. We need to take a, a, a real look at what is going on in our society and believe that we can make a difference. I love in Deuteronomy 6 verse 7, this, this is, is tied to so much about what we need to be about. It says, when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up. And what is this revolving around? It is the things that we are to empower or teach our children, the things of God. When? All the time. Every, <laughs> when my kids were growing up, we, we homeschooled, and every time they would ask a question, my, my wife would say, well, that's a good homeschool project. That's a good assignment. That's, and it, so it became this, this ongoing joke for us because everything became a, a homework moment. But I'm just telling you, there are teachable moments in life. With all of the racial stuff going on, Listen, there are teachable moments for our kids. If we want to change our future, we have to teach our children today 
the realities of things that are going on in our world and help them understand the things of God that uh, are right and wrong. That's where we can make a difference. And so I just want you to know, men, I believe in you. I believe you can stand up and rise above the challenges and the mentality of our society. Don't believe what our society is selling regarding manhood. You can be a godly man and still function in society. You can be a godly man and still grow and prosper in our world. Um, don't, let them, don't let them tell you that you need to be more fixated on your success than upon your children. Because I'll tell you, you know, that old song, Cat in the Cradle, is unfortunately very true. If you've never heard it, um, you know, these... You know, the kids were wanting to be involved in dad's life and he was so fixated on earning and earning and saying, uh, one of these days I'm going to have time. One of these days I'm going to have time. And, and when, he had, when he had this mentality, now I have time because I've done all this stuff. Now his kids were too busy to spend time with him. And listen, if you want to enjoy your children for a lifetime, you better enjoy them for the moment you have them. Because one of the things that um, uh, I know to be true is we don't know how long we're going to have our kids. We don't ever want anything bad to happen to them. When we were in South Dakota, we attended, uh, uh, we went to the graveside of our uh, friend's family, our friend that had passed away uh, about seven years ago. He was 15 years old, uh, died in a car accident. And so um, it was heartbreaking for us as a family because it was our first time being there um, uh, we we didn't go at that time to the service, and uh, um, so it was it was it was hard, but it made us value our kids even more. You never know what could happen in life. Don't think that you have unlimited time. Invest in your kids today. So, let's pray. Father, I thank you for our kids. I thank you for every man here. Father, whether they have children or not, I thank you. Because I see their investment in the young people of our church. Father, I see their investments in the young people of our communities. And Father, I value them. I thank you for each one of them. Father, for what they impart are the, the things of you. And I just pray your blessing on them. Father, help us to rise up and to be men of God. And I thank you for that. I thank you for all your blessings. We ask for this in your name. Amen. Our uh, children have some special uh, gifts for our men. And, uh, and then um, make sure before you leave, you pick up a mug in the back. And I'm serious, every man, we've got a mug for every man, and there's a devotional for those. And so, good, hello kids, come on in. Oh, Willie, you better get some pictures of that. Oh. See, I t who in the world could w would not want something like that? <laughs> Everybody had to stop. And Willie got his moment there. That's good. Now the rest of you go out there and bless your parents. So God bless you. Yes, ma'am. Offering. Thank you. I do forget that once in a while. You know, I ought to practice for a week. Miss Meredith, come and get ready. 
if our ushers could come, we're going to wait upon you for a morning tithes and offering. Go ahead, Miss Meredith. Next Sunday night, the women are going to be meeting for Bible study, 630, here at the church. We're reading through Proverbs chapter 1 through 10. So we'll be talking about that next Sunday night, 630. Next Sunday night, 630. Um, I would like to also highlight and thank Miss Madison. She stepped in last week for a run-in switcher. And... Did it for us again today because my wife got called out to do this service. And so I am thankful that she utilized her gifts and talents to bless us. And, and I want you all to know, <laughs> some of you are thinking that pastor will never call me out to do something like that. You would be wrong. Because <laughs> I am not afraid to call any one of you out when the Lord... Uh, now, Madison already had a mindset that she was going to do this, but she had, it was all in her mind still. And, and I walked by and saw her, and God said, ask her, and I did. And she said, in my mind, I already said yes. So here she is. So listen, when the Lord puts you on my heart, I'm going to call you out. Because you know what? We're not good at volunteering all the time, right? Now, we have areas of, of service that are available um, we have our nursery that we need some workers in. We've got some other areas that need workers. We're going to be working on redoing our whole greeter group so that we have a good you know, group welcoming people there. We still have, this week, there are at least five families that I know that are still traveling from vacation. It is, it's a crazy, everybody went on vacation the same week in the church. But it happens. Um, but we're going to be doing some things. We also have some people that are not comfortable coming back to church yet. We understand. But that doesn't remove us from the responsibility to reach out to them. And so we're going to do some new things. But I just want you to know that um, I got your number. And um, I, I am praying that God lead and guide me to where I can ask you the right question for the things that God wants you to be involved in. The other thing is, I need you to be aware to make sure you just bless Miss Elaine. Um, just let her know how much you uh, love her. And, and we'll stay in contact with her. We're friends with her on Facebook, and, and she will keep us informed. And, and she'll still be back around here to visit once in a while. Her, you know, her family, she's still got family in this area, so uh, she's not going to be gone on that forever. So uh, we just want you to be aware. Constance, you had some? She did, but I, it, now listen, I'm not saying anything more because it is my, um, it is my commitment that I will never steal, uh, the, steal the thunder of uh, new parents. So, uh, but there is a baby. I can give you that much information. The rest of it will come from Chad and Katie when they are able to share those with us. But, uh, but I want you all to know they have communicated with me several times how much they miss being part of the things going on here. And they are looking forward now that, um, uh, I almost gave a name, now that this baby is here, um, about being back with us here soon. So, um, so yes, they're, they're doing well. And we are going to do so, a blessing uh, for them uh, from the church um, and we're, we're going to give you some more direction in, in the uh, d weeks to come on that. So just because uh, we didn't get the baby shower in beforehand doesn't mean that you will not be able to bless them. So, all right, let's pray. 
Father, thank you for this opportunity to give. We pray your blessing on this offering, that you would multiply it to meet the needs of our family and uh, uh, our church family. And we just thank you for all that you're doing. Um, thank you for our, uh, all of ours that are with us online. And we pray that you would bless them and help us just to continue to do what you've placed before us. And we ask for this in your name. Amen. God bless you. Um, the other thing is, be paying attention to your emails or the crew app. We are looking at starting our breakfast time and Sunday school time back up here very soon. The board has been deciding on that. Actually, Brother Jerry approached me um, this week and said he's ready to get back under the, uh, in the kitchen and, and get back to work on biscuits and gravy. And um, we're trying to make some safety things to help that everybody be, you know, feel assured that things are, are done well there. But I just want you to be aware of that, all right? God bless you, and um, just love on one another. Thank you for coming out today.